Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America, led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the C4SO podcast. I'm Ben Sternke, your host, and this is the third week of our series on Advent hope in harsh times. We've heard from two of our canon theologians already, Emily McGowan and Esau McCulley. If you have not listened to those episodes, I would highly encourage you to go back. Uh, they are just the previous two episodes in uh, in this podcast. Emily McGowan and Esau McCulley uh, have helped us uh, tremendously to think theologically about Advent um, and the themes of Advent in the midst of these harsh times. And um, today's episode I'm really excited about because uh, we're going to be talking with Kimberly Deckel. Uh, Kimberly is an associate pastor at All Souls Phoenix, which is a, a church that actually uh, was planted. I learned this in our conversation. Uh, they planted uh, March 1st uh, of 2020. And so if you do the math, uh, you know that they planted right before a pandemic hit. And um, that has provided for some uh, some interesting dynamics for them that uh, Kimberly talks a little bit about. Um, but I'm excited for this uh, to bring you this conversation because um, Esau and Emily, for example, can speak to us. They're two of our canon theologians in our diocese um, and can speak theologically to the themes of Advent and that kind of thing. Um, and Kimberly is obviously more than capable of doing so herself, but because she is a pastor, um, she is on the ground and can share a little bit more practically how they're walking through Advent this year uh, in their church community. And so Kimberly shares a little bit of um, some of her personal story that intersects with uh, this theme of uh, hope in harsh times, and also how the pandemic has uh, affected some of those things, and also how um, they're learning as a community to hold uh, the tension between suffering and hope in regards to seeking and pursuing racial justice uh, in in these times. So um, I'm eager to bring you this conversation. Um, excited to keep celebrating the voices of C4SO on this podcast, and I'm hoping that you're finding it helpful. Um, if you are finding this podcast helpful, I'll just put in a little plug here. Please do leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That really does help other people find the podcast. Uh, but what's even more effective at helping other people find the podcast is if you share it with them. So I would encourage you to t- tell someone that you think would like the podcast, tell someone, tell someone about us, um, or share it on social media if there's a particular episode that has been helpful or meaningful for you. Okay, let's get into this conversation that Bishop Todd and I had with Kimberly Deckel. All right, Kimberly Deckel, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Hey, it's super good to be here. I'm really excited to talk with you guys today. Yes, yes, we're excited to talk with you as well. I'm here with, um, I'm Ben Sternke, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter as well. Todd, say hello. I love you, Ben, but it's really fun when we have a third person on the screen, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yes, it is. I mean, you and I love each other, but to have Kimberly yeah, yeah. here is great. It's, a, it's okay, but yeah. yeah. No, it's, it is. It's wonderful. Um, and we're going we're gonna to do this for this whole series. We're in the middle of this series, Advent Hope in Harsh Times, and uh, we've been interviewing some of our um, 
the people in our diocese. And so we've interviewed a couple canon theologians, and um, Kimberly is a clergy person in our diocese, and we wanted to chat with her on these themes. Um, Kimberly, before we dive into this, why don't you take a little bit of time and introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, so I am in Phoenix, Arizona, where it is currently, like I think our high today is going to be 90, um, which is not normal for us in November. Um, Normally, it's a little bit cooler than that. Um, But our winters are sunny, which is my favorite thing. Mm. Um, So I'm in Phoenix, and I am a church planter, and then I'm a co-pastor at All Souls Phoenix. So we are a church plant that officially launched on March the 1st of this year. And really? then, yeah, oh, I didn't I always know tell that. People, what an like, amazing it's, yeah, time. like it's okay to laugh and then feel kind of bad for us. <laughs> um, totally church yes. planning. It, Both, yeah, yes. like it, it's not ideal, but is anything ideal right. in the world yeah. of church planting? So, yeah, right. we launched yeah. on March the 1st, and then three weeks later, we went to virtual services, and we, you know, we were totally like the snobby people who would say we would never do virtual services. We would never, you know, audio and video record a service and and share it on social media. And, you know, here we are eight months or so into (laughs) this, you know, we're the same. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like some days laughing about it and other days crying about it. Um, So anyway, yeah. So I am a transitional deacon. So in just a few weeks here, I will be ordained into the priesthood, which is still like super crazy to say. I'm really thankful and excited and nervous and and just feel, I think, um, the weightiness of that. And then I I co-pastor with a guy named Andrew, and Andrew is currently our our priest and our rector. I'm a mom to an eight-year-old girl named Keenan, and she's, you know, in her bedroom right now doing school on the computer. Um, she's been virtual since March, like a lot of other yeah, kids. Yeah. And then my husband, Steve, leads worship for our church, and he's been working oh. from home since March, too, and he's in the kitchen working. Um, yeah, so wow. it's like they know I'm doing this, but at any moment, you know, a right. child could that... come skipping into the bedroom. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, oh gosh, what else? Yeah. I mean, I'm from St. Louis originally. I've been in Phoenix for almost 15 years and love it here. I also, um, so I'm bivocational. I also work for an organization called Surge Network, which is a movement of local churches in Phoenix, putting Jesus on display through activating, equipping, and reconciling the local church. And so I get to do a lot of work with that, that overlaps with all souls, but then just a lot of work, um, just with pastors and with laity, we really focus a lot on what it looks like to equip laity for the work of the Mm. kingdom. And Mm. yeah, that's a little bit about me. So that's great. That's great. What a, what a, what an amazing, uh, I just talked with somebody today who planted their church 18 months ago and I was, Mm. I was thinking like, wow, what a crazy time to plant a church, but you just, you just picked the pandemic. You're like, oh my gosh, when is it coming? Let's plant right there. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. And you know, we, um, so a lot of the kind of the church planting exposure that we had prior to launching was in, um, you know, kind of in the sort of mega church world a little bit. We are not a mega church. Um, Mm. And so oftentimes, you know, we started with like six people in a living room, um, no sending church, not much money, all of that. And so our pacing was slower than I think oftentimes we sort of see the model. I mean, we're very much a missional church and operate in that model. And so, um, so it was a long time coming in a sense when we were going Mm. to launch. And so we decided, 
you know, March the 1st, that's the date and felt really like really a sense of peace at that with that. Mm. Um, and then, you know, just had no idea, yeah, no idea, yeah. but we've learned a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's been a crucible, uh, for all of us, but I imagine for a church that's just getting started, that's a, that's a lot of change right in the, right at the beginning. So yeah. glad you guys are still, uh, going for it. Gosh, um, we are too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, we wanted to have um, some interviews for this series, Advent Hope in Harsh Times, um, just with uh, people to reflect theologically on things, but also personally on um, both the harshness and the hope uh, that 2020 has brought, um, and then maybe looking forward to uh, Advent um, and uh, and the new year as well. But how, maybe we could start with this, Kimberly, like just personally, how have you experienced the harshness of 2020, how has that hit you? How has it yeah. hit your family? Um, besides, you know, besides a pandemic, you know, kind of blowing up your plans for church planting, but what else has, uh, what else has yeah. happened for you? Yeah. So 2020 has been nuts. Um, so in some <laughs> ways it was kind of like this big year, right? So we launched a church. I turned 40 this year. Um, oh. yeah, my husband and I, um, celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary. Congratulations. <laughs> and so thanks. And so these things that we, you know, had kind of been, yeah, like looking forward to that would normally be things you would really celebrate, um, kind of like celebrate big too, right? Yeah. And then kind of this pivot to to thinking through those things in really different ways. And my birthday was actually right before um COVID. And so, um, so we'd had plans to kind of celebrate it bigger a couple months out. So we didn't really do anything on my birthday. Um, so I'm kind of joking that, you know, it's like, I didn't really turn 40, you know, we'll just, yeah, right. Yeah. We'll just 2021 will be 40. Um, (laughs) and then, you know, and so the interesting thing though, and this is, this is heavy. So on my birthday, my dad came to visit. So my dad lived in St. Louis where I grew up and came to visit and hadn't, come so he came out to phoenix when our daughter was born so we hadn't been here for almost eight years at that point and we have a complicated relationship i you know that's like a whole other story right but just mm-hmm. a lot of addiction in my family um and some you know some some a lot of instability and so i hadn't been with my dad for a birthday since like i'm not sh- since high school probably so it'd been a really long time and he planned on coming earlier in the year and it just didn't work out and so um so my dad and his girlfriend visited us for my birthday and i felt a little bit of angst about that um and just kind of what that would feel like um because i personally have done a qu- quite a bit of work on my own just kind of working through um relationships mm-hmm. with my parents my mom passed away two years ago may and have done quite a bit of work just processing through that grief. Um, so my dad visited and it, and it was good. And, um, and our daughter, our daughter loves everybody. She's a people person, like (laughs) extrovert off the charts. Um, but it was a really sweet for her. And then we normally go back to St. Louis in the summer. Well, obviously COVID happened. And so we wouldn't have gone back in the summer. Um, but on May the 20th, my dad passed away unexpectedly. Um, and so like, so just the heaviness and the surprise and that, and then also like the recognizing that, like, that, you know, he hadn't visited for eight years. He visited right before, you know, a couple weeks before things really kind of shut down. Um, and so that, 
So it's, it's been, of course, hard. And then I yeah. think as I've just talked with other people, we know so many people who've experienced um, loss of loved ones during um, COVID, you know, related to COVID, but then, you know, just life in general, people dying, right, for different reasons. And so it's been really interesting to process grief during this time because this season just feels like a season of, of grief yeah. and loss in so many ways. And then when you add in um, someone passing away, it just feels really, it feels different in comparison even to my mom's death. So I, I feel like there's a, a lot of grief there still that hasn't been fully processed because it's like these, right, like layer upon layer of, of grief yeah. and loss. And so yeah. that's been, um, of course, have like an additional heavy thing for our family and walking mm. through, you know, another death in a couple years with our daughter. Um, and so, so in that, like our hope has been, and it's like so simple, right. But not like our hope has been in Jesus. Like that's <laughs> oftentimes kind of, you know, especially on the days that feel harder or even just um, experiencing someone's death in the middle of um, quarantine and not being able to like celebrate their life and grieve like you might normally. I mean, I've just constantly turned back to, like the small yet cosmic reality, you know, of, of Jesus hmm. and of hmm. the work that he's done in us and through us. And so there's just been so much hope and peace and rest in that. And also just allowing ourselves to feel what we're feeling, I think yeah. related to, um, to the death of my father, but then just everything else, like in this yeah. season, just allowing it to like be what it is. Cause I think mm. my tendency normally and the busyness of life is to rush through things pretty quickly. Um, and I think in this season, whether it's the loss of a loved one or a job or the way that school looks for our kids or just all of these things that have changed, um, just it's forced us to slow down, I think, and kind of experience things differently than we have before mm -hmm. and maybe more intensely. Um, but the reminder that, that Jesus is in that, that suffering, that loss with us, that we're not alone is my daily encouragement. Hey everyone, welcome again to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry that we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. This week we're praying for Christ Our King Anglican Church in Azusa, California, led by Daniel Stevenson, and he has joined us to share briefly about what's going on right now and how we can pray specifically for them. Daniel, welcome to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Oh, thanks, Ben. Glad you could join us. Uh, I'll ask you the same questions I ask uh, everybody on this <laughs> segment of the podcast. Uh, can you tell me one thing you're encouraged by right now that's happening in your church? Yeah. Uh, it's been encouraging to see the faithfulness of the community at this time. I mean, they have... Mm faithfulness in supporting each other uh, during these strange times. Uh, they yeah. have a faithfulness to be worshiping, you know, our risen Lord in so many different ways. Uh, they've been patient and resilient and all of that. And just they mm. continue to be a presence within the greater community also. Mm. So just the overall resiliency that um, our faith community has shown. Yes, that's beautiful. Lovely to hear. Um, one challenge that you're facing right now that you want to let us know about? Yeah, uh, you know, it's been challenging just to navigate the consistently changing dynamics uh, during this time. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, 
there's always different things coming out from the state of California or from Los Angeles County and just yeah. trying to navigate that faithfully uh, while attending to people's like real and felt needs. But it's been encouraging to see how the congregation has adapted in all of this. Yeah. That's, uh, yes, uh, I think especially living in California, um, there, there's a lot uh, going on, especially out there as the pandemic uh, continues to surge uh, right now this winter. Um, in light of all this, Daniel, how can we pray for you and for Christ our King? Yeah, uh, the main way that people can be praying for us is just for God's continued presence, uh, you know, giving us a spirit of peace and grace during these continued changing times and the dynamics of the pandemic. And just also for a shared vision of where the church will be worshiping after we emerge from this time and sort of how this time will be used as a, um, as a refining period for us as a community and how we're going to emerge out of that. Mm -hmm. When you say where the church will be meeting, are you talking physically? You're looking for space? Yeah. So we're, okay. now we're in a transition, um, actually prayerfully considering different physical spaces hmm. and where to worship once the pandemic ends. Okay. Very good. Well, thanks for sharing all that with us, and thanks for joining us, Daniel. Um, to find out uh, more about Christ Our King Anglican Church or to contribute to their work, check out the link that we will put in the show notes. Daniel, we'll talk to you again. Thanks for joining us. Great. Thank you, Ben. You know, oftentimes in in hard in harsh times like this, we our minds go to the question of why is this happening, yeah. or how could God let this? You know, th that kind of a thing. And I I love how you're talking about, um, you're rooting it and grounding it in what I, what I think we see the early Christians doing was they never asked that question. It's actually a fairly yeah. modern question to ask, right? Where and it's and it's rooted in this idea that God is sort of a, you know, this clockmaker who's like you know kind of controlling everything all the way down to the bottom. But you're rooting it um, in the the daily presence of Jesus in the midst of these sufferings, in the midst of yeah. this grief. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is, uh, you know, I hear that a lot from you, Bishop, uh, as well. You know that um, that God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is now. Yeah. Yeah. I was just reflecting, and you'll have to forgive me if there's a little construction noise here in the background. When you know we're trying to podcast on a day, somebody's mm -hmm. here at the office trying to do something. But yeah, I could hear in Kimberly, um, you know, this is, you know, finding hope in harsh times, her describing these harsh times, but finding hope like precisely within it, where we tend to think, well, there are certain circumstances in life in which we can have hope, and then there are certain other realities in which you can't be sane and have hope. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the trick is, I think, what Kimberly was saying about it's acts finding actual hope within actual real realities because if you think about it, if it's not that, actually, what could hope be? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? If it wasn't yeah. like within reality. Yeah. 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 That, that's been an important um, lesson that I'm learning as well. Uh, you, you mentioned, Kimberly, that I, or that you, um, you know, you tend in the busyness of life, you tend to kind of skip over some of those things. And that's, that's been something that I've found is important for me, uh, especially in the season of um, pandemic, um, you know, uh, protests, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff happening. Uh, that's like not right. You know, that, that yeah. you sort of feel, um, end up feeling this in my body. But I, I, I find because the pandemic has also like disconnected me physically from 
other people and the things that I normally would do with my bot. Like, you know, I was just at a meeting today where, you know, it's just, it's all elbow bumps and you know what I mean? And you wish you could hug people and all of this stuff. That's, you know, it just makes, makes for a difference. Anyway, I found it's really important for me to be intentional about feeling what I'm feeling, like really feeling it, you know, feeling sadness and grief over what the pandemic has brought, feeling sadness and grief over what I'm seeing in the news or uh, what's happening in my church or, you know, like all of that kind of thing that it's been really important to, and it feels I uh, feels maybe backwards to us, like how could we have hope when we're actually feeling this grief? But like you said, that actual, we meet Jesus there and yeah. and he's the deeper reality that allows us to have hope in the midst of owning and naming the other harsh realities that we're living through. Yes. We meet Jesus in that place. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's like, I think related to that, one of the other things that, that has given me so much hope and that we've talked quite often with our church about is that, so in the midst of, of such harshness and so much heaviness, um, just the normal everyday things of life are still happening. And some of those too are heavy, hard things, right? Like death, but also mm-hmm. birthdays, babies are born. Um, you know, just mm-hmm. the reminder that, that just kind of the normal parts of life keep going. Um, yeah. And that also means, right, that like, that God is still working and is always in our midst. Um, and that reminder, right, that we, you know, we've, exp- like, the kingdom of heaven, I think you mentioned, like, has broken in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like, and we have a foretaste of it. Um, but there's still pain and suffering and loss around us. And, and what does it mean to just, I don't know, like hold the tension of those two things. Yeah. And I think right now in this present moment, um, some of the pain and suffering for a lot of people feels heavier than it has before. And I, that's like this whole other conversation about what it looks like, I think, to develop um, a more robust kind of theology of, of suffering. Hmm. And I think that a lot of, a lot of folks who maybe don't like haven't had to have a capacity for suffering like they before like they've had to now are you know there's a lot of tension in that and a lot of kind of additional pain in that but again like the reminder right just that like that that jesus is in it with us like that we serve this king the savior who is just like present with us and the really really Mm. good and the joys and then just in the deep sufferings and um and that just yeah in the midst of all of this everyday life is happening and that Mm. brings me great joy just those little reminders of just the everyday that that also keep me in touch with like reality you know yeah 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 what um do you do you want to say more about that um just in terms of like sort of not being used to suffering um, yeah. and that kind of thing. Like, do you want to say more about that? It I'll, feels yeah. like you said that could be a whole nother conversation. Oh, it feels like that might be a fruitful place for us to go. Okay. So I'll talk <laughs> about it a little bit. So I think about it often, um, because I think, so I think, so, okay. So our church is a multi-ethnic church. Um, we are still, we still have quite a lot of white folks, kind of middle-class, um, highly educated white folks who are part of our congregation, um, who I have, the privilege of, of pastoring and, and serving. And, and I, I absolutely believe that a part of my calling um, and what I get to do is to help people develop um, 
stronger muscles kind of, if you will, for, for suffering. And I think it's one of those Mm. things, like my husband and I were talking about this and kind of how like sometimes that analogy gets sort of old, like developing a stronger muscle. But I think it's really appropriate when we're talking about this, when we haven't maybe experienced the same type of sufferings as, as somebody who's in poverty or as Mm -hmm. a person of color or, Mm -hmm. um, as, a woman who spent her life in a complementary church setting or whatever. Um, yes. Like we all need to kind of develop the ability to suffer and experience that more. And I think sometimes like even in the American church, when we think we're being persecuted and, you know, woe is me. It's like, but are we, mm-hmm. like, are we really experiencing suffering like that, that we're actually, I mean, I think called to as followers of Jesus and, and then also, are we real, are we stepping into suffering with our brothers and yeah. sisters who are in the margins? Um, and that's like I'm not that's a hard thing. I'm not minimizing or saying like, come on, just do it. It's so easy. It's not. But I think that you know, one of I think that for me, in a lot of the suffering that I've experienced, I mean, it's absolutely made me like the person that I am today. And I'm incredibly mm. thankful for so much of it. Sometimes I yeah. think what that leads to is sometimes I'm not very good at, at recognizing um, when something is too much. So mm. so sometimes I, you know, I need to, to learn to set better boundaries and not just endure <laughs> because I can. Um, yeah, but I sense. think that yeah. when we're thinking about this, like as a church family or community too, like what does it mean to suffer together, to bear one another's burdens mm. and recognizing that that also sometimes that means like when we think of it in our church, we think of for the white folks, like specifically we talked a lot about this through the summer as it relates to racial justice. When we're bearing this burden together, that sometimes means that that the white folks are actually going to shoulder a lot of the burden for the people of color in our, in our community in terms of what it looks like to, um, be present in peaceful protest in terms of what, of what it means to, to help other white folks walk through this because you know, the tendency often is like, you're black. Um, okay. (laughs) So explain this to me, help me learn and understand this. And oftentimes I I do have the capacity for that, but I also recognize not every person of color is called to that. And what does it look like for my white brothers and sisters to like press into that suffering and kind of bear some of that burden Mm. for me. Um, and so, so that's just like, a little bit yeah. of it, but I think, you know, we're all experiencing suffering in this time. I think that yeah. for some it's, it's been harder to adapt to because for they sure. haven't really like developed the ability. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I can speak personally here just like that, that, that has been for me, like part of, part of the whiplash of this season is mm-hmm. I'm confronted with something that normally, and this is part of my social location, right. As a white man, like normally I can do something about most of the problems in my life. Normally I can leverage power, influence money, like something mm-hmm. to like fix it, to make it better. And so therefore I haven't, like, I just don't have as much experience in suffering, which is like something bad is happening and I can't do anything about it. And I have to just endure. Um, and I remember sharing this with, I mean, I think uh, Esau may have, Esau McCulley, uh, we interviewed him for this uh, series as well. And I think he may have said something like to this effect, you know, to mm. say like, yeah, the black church kind of looks looks at this and says, welcome to the show. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is how totally. it goes, you know? Like, and so there's a lot to learn there. And so I, I think it's a beautiful example that you're talking about that as a, 
you have a multi-ethnic church mm-hmm. where there is this recognition that, oh, the, like, different people in our community, because of their social location, are feeling this burden in different ways. Yeah. And how can we leverage our uh, presence with one another and our, um, you know, our, our connection in the body of Christ with each other in order for, for everybody to flourish? It's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, and it's like such a beautiful invitation, right? That we get to step into that with our brothers and sisters. And it's so yeah. Christ-like, right? Like getting to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so thankful it, for it. You know, one of the, the other sides or facet of a diamond or something, uh, Ben, of what you're talking about, because I come from the same social location and come from the same sort of confidence that there's always some sort of agency mm-hmm. somewhere you could call on to fix it. Mm-hmm. So if you buy, if you put that together with um, a huge part of my temperament is optimism mm. and positivity, that I I think no, I don't think I know that through this I've had to learn to lament, yeah. and so Kimberly that because lament just does not come natural to me. Mm. I'm, like yeah. I knew what the word was, you know, but it I didn't know anything about the real practice of it, and so what I've been doing is. I don't know, four or five months ago, I decided I was just going to sit with the Psalms. Mm. And of course, you know, laments all over the Psalms. So it's been very helpful for me to, as Ben was saying earlier, really concretely name things. Like somebody like me who has high agency and high optimism, sometimes you don't even have to bother concretely naming things. Like, oh, I'll just Mm. deal with it. Mm -hmm. But when it's something profoundly negative that's unmovable, really naming it and feeling those feelings is a big deal. Yeah. So we're wondering, like, what what have you been doing the last few months? How have you been Ooh. kind of coping? Are there scriptures that have been speaking to you or readings? Yeah. Um, so so one of the things congregationally that we did and we've done before, but we did um, right after um, the results or the the ruling for um, the Breonna Taylor case came out that Sunday, we did a lament service. Um, because kind of related to what we were talking about earlier, I mean, I think it's one of those things that a part of our call is to, um, is to pastor our people and to help form them and shape them in what it looks like, um, to, to lament and to grieve and, and to do that, like in a publicly and together communally, right? And so, um, so that's been really powerful for us, like that moment. And so with that too, I mean, we turn to the, the book of common prayer and we turn to, to the prayers in there for lament. Um, and I would say similarly to what you'd mentioned kind of with Esau earlier too, I've drawn so much hope and also, and also so much encouragement in the, the importance of of lament and crying out to God and recognizing the pain in the world um, from the black church tradition and just recognizing, I think that it's like, you know, when we have that history, we can look, look back at like, it's really helpful, you know, to recognize that, um, that in the face of great pain and suffering, my ancestors found hope, but also Mm. recognize, um, the injustices that were happening, you know, didn't just gloss over it, like recognized yeah. it, lamented, but still remained faithful yes. to who Jesus was and to what they were called to. Um, and so those things have been really helpful. Um, and I think, 
it, some of it goes back to too just the allow the allowing um, myself to feel what it is I'm feeling, and having yeah. I think also um, people in ministry that I can pray with and process with who are experiencing some of the same things has been really yes. important for me, um, even in feeling, you know, isolated, like, right, we're not physically with people like mm-hmm. we used to be. That's been, that's caused me to have to think more creatively, you know, around, okay, we're in this season where we can't be physically together like we used to, but these huge things are happening around us. And so that's been, um, yeah, just having like conversation and prayer partners and people that I can just, yeah, like just be super honest with, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and just really bounce ideas off of because yeah. most of the time I get it wrong and don't know what I'm actually <laughs> talking about, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. That's most of us. Um, well, this uh, has been great. Maybe we can uh, wrap things up by just, you know, taking you know, your own experience of the harshness of 2020 and kind of where you've found hope. And you've talked a little bit about how you've done this in the past, you know, with services of lament, but um, just practically what's All Souls yeah. doing for Advent? I think this podcast is probably going to release, uh, it's probably the Monday after, it's probably November 30th. So anyway, it's Advent cool. has begun, but what are what yeah. are you guys planning to do uh, for so, Advent? So, yeah, so we, I think, I think that we just decided today what we're going to do. Um, okay. So we, okay, so... So COVID numbers are, are rising everywhere. We, um, one of the things that's been a gift, you know, about being a small church is we started meeting again together a couple months ago. Um, we meet in a, a really big church space. And so we have, so we have about um, probably like two thirds of our congregation ish have been present. So we're talking like 25, 30 people in this mm-hmm. sanctuary for like 400. Um, so we've been meeting in that space you know, taking temperatures, masks, all of that. It's been different, but something we've been really thankful for. But numbers are rising. The weather's cooling off here, sort of. I mean, it is 90 today, but I mean, it's, cooling it's only off. 90 today. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's, it's a dry heat. It's a, it feels it's different <laughs> right. than, it's the than the hum- it's I grew different. up in the humidity. It's different. Okay, um, yeah. And so anyway, so we don't, so the church we meet at though is, is in downtown Phoenix. And so there's not a great outdoor space there. So Mm-hmm. We've been trying to kind of think, what is it going to look like to shift outdoors? And so we think we've come up with a plan. Um, and we're going to think of it as meeting um, kind of as regional communities. So three in our city. It's going to mm-hmm. allow us to have a couple that meet in the morning. So we normally meet at 4 p.m. Um, because the oh. church we use meets in the yeah, morning yeah. and, you yeah. know, all that church planning life stuff. So yep, we'll be meeting. Um, we'll have a couple in the morning, one in the afternoon. And then um, outdoors, spread out. And but what we're gonna do is we are gonna use so we use Story Makers, um, is a, a children's zine or zine. Sorry, I always say it wrong. Zine magazine zine. Um, yes, yes. So Story Makers is a, a curriculum that we've used for our kids in the past. Um, we really love it. And it's storymakerslike.com, I think is their website. I totally recommend checking it out. And so we've used that for our kids in the past. So what we did is we ordered their Advent series. So they have an Advent Mm -hmm. 1 and an Advent 2. So we're going to use their Advent series. We ordered one for each of our families that have children. 
But we're actually going to use that for all of, for the adults too. So we're going to walk through um, Story Makers, their Advent 2, um, which is in Luke. And we'll use that in these kind of small sort of communities that we'll be meeting for Sundays. Um, <laughs> and part of that being, you know, we've, we've done stuff for the kids through COVID, but it's been different. You know, it's been so different than it would normally be. And so just really wanting to focus on, in on loving our kids during this season, on the the waiting, but then the hope and joy that, that is found in this Advent season. And then also, um, you know, like the childlike faith that Jesus talks about, right, that we hear, hmm. you know, in the Gospels. And so I think we all kind of need a dose of that right now. Um, I know yeah. that that oftentimes, like even outside of this season, I draw a lot of my hope from just the like creativity and the childlike faith and the joy that my daughter has, even in the midst of really hard things. And so we're kind of like, what is it, you know, if we gear our services through Advent, these three little communities that we'll be meeting, if we gear that toward the kids, um, but it's also very much for the adults in our community, how might that shape us in this season and then That's leading good. into this you know this new year right that it's i've been thinking about everybody's like ready for 2021 and it's like well i mean uh, not much like sorry but not much is gonna look different from yeah, december right. 31st to january 1st right, but right. as followers yeah. of jesus like it really is a new year for us yeah. um yeah. and the reminder of the hope that is found um and Jesus as an infant, right? The beauty mm. and the hope and just like the promise in that, but also the second coming that we get to look forward to. Yes. Um, well, so yeah. that's great. I love that. I love that emphasis. Um, kids and adults doing the same thing uh, together. We ask the kids to do the adult thing quite a bit. So it's we only do. fair, I suppose, right? <laughs> so yeah, and it's going to be totally uncomfortable for some of our adults, but that's okay, you know? <laughs> that's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's the formative power. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, um, Kimberly, this has been great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Kimberly, so much. It's Look forward fun. to the ordination in a few weeks. <laughs> Me too. God willing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. That's right. You're ordained in uh, just a couple weeks, eh? Yeah. In Beautiful. Advent. In Advent. All yeah. Right. There's That'll hope, fun. right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, Kimberly. Uh, blessings on you and your family and all souls. Amen. Peace. Best blessing. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. Email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.